The reading is from Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar has spoken about his dream of a great tree. Now Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, begins to explain the dream to him. Daniel chapter 4, starting halfway through in verse 19. Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against the my lord, the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came down from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever his dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples and the earth are regarded as nothing. 
He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My adversaries and nobles sought me out and I was restored to the throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does and is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks uh, so much, Chris, for reading that for us. Um, we're going to take a look at this uh, next part of uh, Daniel, chapter 4. It has been a big week of uh, world events, both here in the UK, I guess, and particularly um, in America with the inauguration of a new president, which was uh, mentioned at the start of our service. And I don't know how you respond to those kind of events, how you viewed them or saw them. Um, it might have been that your response was uh, one of sort of wonder. It was very positive, perhaps the kind of uh, response that Amanda Gorman uh, sort of exemplified. Uh, if you saw her poem, which really stole the show at the uh, inauguration event. But it might be that you look upon that uh, event or events of the world with much more of a sort of arms crossed um, uh, sort of negative response, which was captured by um, Bernie Sanders. I don't know if you saw that this week. This is uh, a sort of not impressed view of things going on. It has launched dozens of memes uh, on the internet if you have come across them at all sorts of, uh, in all sorts of ways. So uh, one like this, the uh, picture of the, the famous picture of the Nighthawks in which this kind of cross Bernie Sanders was there. I know that some of you at home will enjoy this one from Mean Girls uh, in which he is there because, and you'll think that's very fetch. Um, and uh, some, even at Platt's, got in on the acts. Um, and, uh, and so you can see Bernie is there, and he's, he looks very unimpressed with Sarah, which is unfortunate, isn't it? Um, so, uh, so there he is. Um, and uh, that sort of idea of looking unimpressed at the events of the world might be, might be the place that you're in. Uh, it might be how you're feeling about things. And I want to tell you that Daniel 4, uh, Daniel chapter 4, um, has good news for us. And it tells us that God rules all human kingdoms. And that that is a good thing for us to know, a good thing for us to know and to trust. Now, the two chapters that we have, where we've got to um, in the sequence of Daniel, we've got two chapters, this one and next week. Um, and they are a pair and they offer a bit of a contrast. And uh, Tim and I are going to take you through them, because I'm going to do this week, and Tim will do next week. And so chapter 4 has King Nebuchadnezzar, and chapter 5 um, has King Belshazzar. Um, and in both, there's a kind of pattern in which God warns the king, uh, and he'll warn King Nebuchadnezzar, as we heard, and he'll warn Belshazzar. And then in this week, we see the king is restored, Next week, we'll see a different story, and the king is killed. But there's a pattern that goes on, and we see God's hand um, in it. Now, we've had um, the story, and the story in this chapter comes in three quick episodes, if you like, and the dream is told three times. We're going to look briefly at the first two. The first part, the first episode, um, is that Nebuchadnezzar tells 
uh, the dream that he's had, but it comes as a royal proclamation. It comes as a royal letter. It comes as the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, saying, this is what I have learned about God. Um, uh, recently, uh, I put up a picture of uh, the Queen um, on here, uh, her Christmas Day message. Um, and if you think about it, on Christmas Day, the Queen went on national television and talked about someone who was higher than she is. She came on national television and said, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, who is higher than I am. So you had a monarch, a king, a queen, coming on and saying, there is somebody greater than me. And that is really what this chapter, it begins with Nebuchadnezzar, a king, saying there is someone I have discovered is more important than I am. He explains about the dream that he's had, about this tree. Pete took us through it. I can't beat the pictures that he's got for you, so the tree and then the kind of creature that he turns into. And that's the first episode. In the second episode, where we picked up the story and it was just read for us, Daniel retells the dream and explains it. And Daniel, when he comes on the scene, we just need to note that he respects the king a great deal. Nebuchadnezzar has come to him with this dream, and Daniel respects him. And if you remember, he said, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. Now, we're going to come back to that towards the end. But Daniel then, um, he's going to tell him what the dream means, and he doesn't hold back. He explains what the dream is, uh, and it is pretty sobering. Daniel is going to tell him, There is a king who is greater than you are, Nebuchadnezzar. Says, Your Majesty, you are that tree. You are the tree in the dream, and you are going to be cut down, and you will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven, uh, and you're going to turn into this kind of creature. Some think his affliction may have been some kind of disease uh, that uh, afflicted him. It'll last for seven times. That might be seven years or maybe just a long extended period of, t- period of time. And then Daniel gives him this advice. Renounce your sins, verse 27, by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then that your prosperity will continue. So that's the first two episodes that Nebuchadnezzar tells the dream. Daniel then sort of retells it and says what it means. And then we're going to focus in on particularly this third part and the dream coming true. Um, So it picks up from uh, verse 28 in particular. And really the focus of what I want us to look at uh, as we do this morning, it comes in the verse, which actually gets repeated three times. These words, the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. And if I can put it simply here, as I have, God rules human kingdoms and gives them to whomever he wants. God rules human kingdoms and gives them to whomever he wants. Now, the story, as it works, is like this. So we're told 12 months later, a year later, uh, the king is out on the roof, uh, and he says those words, Is this not the great Babylon that I have built as my royal residence by my mighty power for the glory of my majesty? You can hear it in his voice, can't you? He's there, he's out on the roof, he's seeing everything. This is his kind of prideful moment. Um, And if you've watched any kind of film or play or anything like that, you never go out on the roof and announce how great you are. It's always a mistake. Never do that. It's a handy tip. Uh, Have you seen, you remember a film like Titanic? 
The film like Titanic, they get up, you remember they get up on, on the boat and they're like, I'm the king of the world. How does that end? Not well. So you don't, you don't do that. But, so even as the words were on his lips, verse 31, a voice came from heaven, your royal authority has been taken from you. You'll be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals and you will eat grass like the ox. So Nebuchadnezzar claims that he rules the world and God says, no, you don't. You really don't. And so from claiming to be great, from being up, sort of up on the roof, looking out, claiming this great power, he's instantly made this, this creature on the ground, this animal. He kind of goes from one to the other. Immediately this was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven and his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. It's, a, it's quite a weird image, isn't it? That he grew these kind of feathers. and he, So he goes from up there to right down here. Now, whenever you see animals acting like humans, it's really cute, I think. I don't know if you come across this picture not so long ago. There are a couple of penguins. This was in the news. A couple of penguins. There are a couple of widowed penguins. And of an evening, they would go and comfort one another and look at the lights across the city that they're in. I don't know if you saw this story. And it's really cute, isn't it? Whenever animals look like uh, humans, it's quite cute. Whenever humans end up acting like animals, you know things have gone really wrong. When it goes the other way, it is not cute and you realize things are out of control, and things aren't right. And this is what has happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He's gone from being up here to right down here. And just as surprising, though, given the story moves with quite a bit of pace, he goes from there down to here, and then suddenly he is back up again. So uh, we read, um, at the end of that time, verse 34, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven. You've got to imagine he's this kind of creature on the ground, and he looks up to heaven uh, humbly. And my sanity was restored. And uh, remarkably, verse 36, I was restored to my throne. In fact, we're told he became even greater than before. So can you see this kind of movement the story has from here down to here, and then, then he's restored again. God rules human kingdoms and gives them to whomever he wants. God rules human kingdoms and gives them to whomever he wants. Now remember, this is, this is a pagan king. This isn't, um, it isn't actually you know, Israel's king. It's not one of God's people's kings. This is a king from a different country in the Bible's story, a different uh, uh, people. And God can take a kingdom from him and then give it back to him almost at the flick of his fingers. That's the God that we're being told about. He can take him from king to beast and back again. From monarch to monster and back again. And God can do that. And it is in God's hands. He rules human kingdoms and he gives them to whomever he wants. And do you see what we're beginning with? It's a, it's a picture of how powerful God is over the supreme and most powerful person that uh, arguably was around in that day. And he can do it like that. Now, I think just understanding that, what this chapter begins to do, it just opens a window 
on our view that God rules and what that means. And understanding that he can do that, understanding that he has the power, if he so chooses to take a kingdom from someone and then give it back to him, it is good news for us. It is good news for our understanding of the world and our understanding of ourselves in it. So let me try and unpack that and explain. I think for two particular reasons uh, it is good news. Firstly, it can keep us from despair. It can keep us from despair. I don't need to sit kind of arms crossed and thinking that the world is out of control because we have a powerful God who can change things. This is the extent of God's power and ability. I don't need to sit there kind of arms crossed that the world is out of control. A little later, we will think uh, about or hear about the um, situation in Hong Kong. And it's something that we've been praying about. And I know a number of you have been thinking about and praying about at the moment. Uh, You know, perhaps, that we pray regularly here for uh, parts of the world, uh, for example, very conflict-stricken North Africa that we pray particularly for. Uh, You'll know that we have had several years of political upheaval here in the UK and in Europe over these past um, few years. Now, these these are complex situations. They're complex situations in the world. They're complex politically. Uh, They're complex socially. But can you see Daniel 4? It's really trying to say to us, God holds sway over these things. Everyone who is in a position of power in this world, at any level, holds office because God says they can. Because God allows them to. And if he wants to, he can change situations. Nebuchadnezzar's words that come at the end are worth listening to and just reflecting um, in, that, uh, in that light. Um, he says of God, God's dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? And that is true At a national level, it is true at an international level. And it is true as well in the situations that you and I are in, whether that's at work um, or at school or in your family. God holds sway. And it can keep us from despair. Do you know, I think I, I was reflecting on that this week. I think as I've gone on in my Christian life, I think this truth has been probably one of the most important that God has been in control. He holds sway way before I ever even began to think about things. He has known what is and what will be and can change things as he chooses. It can keep us from despair. But also, looking at it from a different angle, it can keep us from bitterness. It can keep us from bitterness. I think this is worth reflecting on this morning. I don't need to sit kind of arms crossed, getting bitter that the world isn't going my way. I don't need to sit there getting bitter that the world isn't going my way because God, it's, God gives kingdoms to those whom he wants 
And that may not be necessarily whom I want. It is his choice and sway. And this is where Daniel is really interesting to wrestle with for a moment. Stand back and think about Daniel's position that he's in. I don't know quite what he made of the hand he had been dealt. Almost all of his life was being a minority believer in a majority culture. When you think about it, he's, we said he moved about, he was about a teenager. He spends the rest of his life uh, far from home and in a, in a country where he's not, it's not the majority belief system that he's a part of. And I don't know quite what he made of the hand he was dealt, but do you see how much he respected Nebuchadnezzar? The way he approached him, the way he spoke to him, the way he related uh, to those uh, in power. And I'm sure it was challenging and difficult, and we'll see next week there are other challenges that he faces. But even in a place where it was difficult for him to be a believer, he did so with God's sovereignty in view. And it didn't mean he couldn't offer critique or think wisely about it, but can you see he lived without bitterness? That's an interesting thing to note and to reflect on. Um, an American friend of mine who is a um, pastor um, out in the States, um, he wrote this recently. If you wanted to design a year that would lay bare the church's idols, you would design 2020. It seems like it was created to expose. This exposure has been painful and immensely challenging, but there is grace if we will seek it. Now, he has got the situation in America in mind in particular. And in particular, I think, he is talking about the bitterness of a sense of losing power and control on the part of the churches over there. And he said that has been exposed through this year, that it has been taken away and it has left and laid bare quite a bitterness at root. And I wonder, if we are honest, how much of that perhaps applies to our own situations in the UK as well. I know he's writing into a context in the American church in particular. But if you think back across this year, we have had a lot of control taken away from us. And the question I think it's worth asking yourself is, where have we found ourselves bitter about how the world is going through this year. Maybe it's in political decisions that you really disagree with or don't like. Maybe it's in decisions that have been taken about our children's education, or if you're a young person, your education. Maybe it's in decisions that have taken away things that we want, like our holidays. What has this year exposed about you and me? Because if you think for a moment and think, just put yourself in Daniel's shoes, God is in charge. God is in charge and is working, and it means we don't need to sit there kind of bitter about how things are going. Daniel offers us actually something quite foundational for a Christian view of the world. Because a Christian can say, a Christian, now by no means am I assuming everyone watching this is a Christian, but a Christian can say, whatever happens in this world 
It isn't the end of the world. Whatever circumstances I may face, they may be difficult, they may be very challenging, I may not find them easy, but I don't need to cross my arms and scowl because there is a God who is in charge and who I trust can change things if, I need, if, if needs be, if he chooses. A God who is in charge, who knows where things are going and ultimately knows what I need more than I do. Now, that isn't easy to, to hear necessarily or to think through, but there is a God who is in charge. Whoever is on the earthly throne... Jesus reigns and rules on an eternal throne. And he is bringing us to his kingdom with him ultimately forever. So God rules all human kingdoms and can give them to whomever he wants. And actually, as we we reflect on that and think deeply about it, actually it can keep us from despair, from thinking the world is out of control, because God has it in his hands but it can also keep us from bitterness when things don't seem to be going my way. Jesus is on an eternal throne, and those are the words of our song, which we're going to now listen to or sing along uh, at home.